Welcome to the show. Welcome to the Marty Huddle. I'm your host, Devin Roy. Uh, this week, we're going to be talking about leadership identity. You could also go to themorninghuddle.com and listen to a recorded podcast on this topic. Uh, there are many events and people that help shape your leadership identity. But I believe the uh, first and most lasting impressions come from the examples of your parents and guardians. And we're going to focus today. There are many, many ways to raise children and many, many ideas and philosophies. But we're going to focus on the narrowly, narrow focus, I should say, a conversation around how do you raise future leaders. So joining me today uh, to give some context to this conversation is my mommy's post. And in the interest of full disclosure, my wife, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. It's great to have you. Uh, before we get started, uh, tell us where we can find My Mommy's Post. Well, you can find me at, uh, at My Mommy's Post um, all throughout social media. So Twitter, Instagram, uh, Facebook, Pinterest, and YouTube. And you can also find me at www.mymommyspost.com. Got it. What was your inspiration for starting My Mommy's Post? Well, I created My Mommy's Post to uh, establish a safe community for mothers um, who can come together, uh, share and seek knowledge from one another. Um, there is a uh, misconception that all mothers uh, perhaps have the right support system to get them through pregnancy and birth. So <clears throat> I found myself, you know, creating My Mommy's Post to um, create that environment, a safe space for them to come together and share. That's great. Them. Great. Very inspirational. Um, and I'm not just saying that. Uh, it really is inspirational and uh, proud of you for doing it. We're going to talk about leadership identity. Into, I'm going to put it into three buckets. Uh, so if you're at home, write this down. We're going to talk about it. Behaviors we manage, behaviors we promote, and behaviors we role model. I'll say that again. Behaviors we manage, behaviors we promote, and behaviors we role model. Let's start with the first one, behaviors we manage. Parent the way you want, let me say it this way, parent like the parent you always wanted. So, you know, positive reinforcement um, is so important to parenting and you can't do it enough. Even when a child can't understand the words you're saying, they can feel the positive vibrations from positive reinforcement. And they understand uh, intrinsically that that's a positive thing that they've done and you're giving them that positive reinforcement. What are your thoughts on positive reinforcement? Um, I think that uh, positive reinforcement is very important, um, you know, as you go through parenting. So for example, um, I have, you know, Noah's 17 months old. So at this, at this stage, um, my positive reinforcement is celebrating his milestones. So once he accomplishes his milestones or, you know, shows those behaviors, we ce I celebrate it. So by clapping, you know, showing excitement around it. So that is, I think is very important for us to, as parents to show that. Yeah. And like I said, you can't do it enough, right? Do it as often as you can. Remember, if we're trying to develop future leaders, we're teaching them that this is how we get results through positive reinforcement. Um, also, I think you should think of yourself as your child's life coach. So if you were your child's life coach, how would you approach parenting? You know, what would that look like? How would it be different in some way for you? Uh, also, we have to teach the, our children the intrinsic value of doing 
and the intrinsic value of acting or accomplishment. So they have to learn that reward is in doing, the reward, the reward I should say, is in achievement. And we don't have to give them something for them to do it. We don't have to bribe them to do things because we devalue the reward of the accomplishment or the act or of doing. So we've got to teach the, them the intrinsic value associated with that. Do you agree with that? Yes, absolutely. Great. Let's talk about the next topic under behaviors we manage. Um, create boundaries. They have to learn to coexist in a world where rules and order allow us to, 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 to get along, to cooperate with one another. Mm -hmm. So it's okay to, um, let me say it this way, you know, having your child color on the wall, what is that teaching them? You know, you know, it's okay to color in the coloring book. It's okay to, to color outside the lines, but coloring on the wall, it's not okay. That's teaching them that there are no boundaries, but there are boundaries and that we have to work within. Um, and it helps us teach, teach a child respect for others' spaces, respect for people who perhaps um, don't want you coloring on the wall. So it's important to have boundaries. What are your thoughts on boundaries? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, we practice boundaries all day, every day, especially as a 17-month-old, and especially that we are in you know, self-isolation and quarantine. Um, we are spending the majority of our time indoors, so we are constantly creating boundaries within our home. So, for example, he knows not to go into the kitchen because you know, there, it's, there's fire, there's hot water, there's a lot that, that's happening in the kitchen that might potentially harm him. And, um, you know, so that we are also, you know, practicing that constantly at, at, at this age. Yeah. Boundaries can be life-saving, right? Yes. Yeah. So it's important to teach your child those boundaries um, and it will help them be a better leader uh, in the future. Absolutely. Let's talk about discipline. Discipline, you know, everyone has a different philosophy on disciplining their child. But I believe you discipline with sternness, not with anger. If you are someone who was parented with anger, it's time to break the cycle. Uh, you should deal with your child, or you should not, I should say, engage your child if you are enraged. Um, you need to take a time out yourself. You need to count to 10 and then deal with your child. Um, you know, your child is not your enemy. Your child is not uh, an adult. So let's talk about that. I know you have some, some thoughts that you want to share on the developing brain of a child. So please well, enlighten us. Yes, so I am constantly, as a new parent, finding myself um, just coaching myself how to react so, so that I'm not resorting back to perhaps ways that uh, I was taught or ways that I've, I have, um, was exposed to or have observed. So things that, you know, I'm constantly, as a new parent, that's, that's a challenge to kind of step back and you know coach yourself to react in a different manner so so that it doesn't come out as anger but it is sternness um, but it's not anger in, yeah. in that sense. again the vibrations are important um, again when we're saying something positive to the child he or she understands the positive vibrations and when we're being stern and saying no they understand the negative vibrations and they don't want to feel that so that's more powerful than some of the things that we resort to, right? Uh, particularly physical uh, discipline. Uh, I'm not a fan of it. I don't think it works. Um, I think the way we engage the rational mind of a child 
is how we get them to do the things that they need to do and do it for themselves. We have to teach them how to be uh, self-sufficient. And I think we create dependence on us when we use physical force to discipline our children because now they're, they're reliant on physical force to know when not to do something or when something is bad. We have to teach them how to uh, use their critical thinking skills. So very good point. I think you have to negotiate with your child or make them part of the solution. Uh, Noah, for example, likes to take the pillows off the sofa, right? Um, which can be a little annoying. So, but instead of getting angry at Noah, you know, you know, I like to help him understand that there's order to the pillows and putting the pillows back on the sofa is something that we do together. The other day he took all of my clothes out of the drawer. So he and I, he helped me fold them and put them back into the drawer. So he understands uh, that this is where they belong. And he is infamous for closing drawers and closing doors. And he has, he's almost. <laughs> That's, um, that's his job around the house. That's his job. He's the official door and drawer closer because we've taught him that the drawers and doors <laughs> need to be closed. In fact, he closed the gate the other day that was there to protect him from going down the stairs. So instead of him going down the stairs, he closed the gate. I sat there and watched him. So we're teaching him uh, that these things are essential boundaries uh, in his life. And he's buying into it because we are making him part of uh, setting those boundaries. So I think that's important. Yeah. All right. So the other point I have under uh, behaviors we manage is we have to allow our children to fail. We cannot be the suffocating parent that thinks we're going to stop the child from failing. Failure is a part of learning. Now we've got to tell them in advance uh, all the reasons why they shouldn't do these things. Right. We've got to coach them up if we're their life's coach, but they're going to do it anyway sometimes. Right. Mm -hmm. So but they're going to remember what you said in that moment. And that's why she said that. Now it makes sense to me. Uh, it didn't make sense, perhaps, or I was being uh, obstinate or stubborn. But now it makes sense because I'm going through it and I failed and I know how to now respond in that moment. So what are your thoughts on allowing our children to fail? I absolutely agree with that process. I believe that we should, you know, give them the right tools and resources and guidance and allow them to understand that we are here to help them, but also they are allowed to experience the world as they should and experience failure, experience, um, you know, success on their own, experience all these different, um, you know, I guess milestones as, as an adult to create an over, you know, a, a well-rounded person. And we can't be the I told you so parent. No. Um, you know, we told them not to do it and they did it anyway. I told you so. <laughs> uh, we have to be the loving parent when they do fail and be there for them. Now, what, what does this teach them as a leader? Let your people fail. And when they fail, be there for them. Okay. So that's a leadership skill that you're actually teaching your child through your example. Someone said without failure, there's no growth. That is correct. Yes. Failure is how we grow. It's so important that we teach our children that it's okay to fail and think about, again, the leader they will be. All right, uh, before we move on to the second topic of behaviors we promote, I want to know if there are any questions out there in the audience from anyone on behaviors we manage. Or just what thoughts do you guys have? 
non-physical discipline sounds like it takes a lot of patience. What do you guys mm. have to create to build patience? It does. It takes a whole lot of patience. Lot. Um, I would tell you that, you know, physical discipline is a shortcut to parenting because it does stop the behavior, right? It shuts it down uh, because a child does not want that pain or that consequence, but you're not teaching the child to critically think. And so parenting, uh, parenting uh, it takes a whole lot of patience and you have to engage the child. And you gotta think about not just the outcome you're trying to achieve today, but the long-term outcome. What kind of person are you trying to rear or raise? right? So you've got to start with the end in mind. I want this child to be a future leader of people. So he or she is not going to be able to use physical discipline in the workforce, right? It's just not going to happen. So we've got to teach them compromise, right? We've got to teach them some of the other character traits that will help them be more successful. Okay. What other points you guys have? A lot of self-control. You're absolutely right. Yes. It's almost like rewiring your, your thought process, you know, because if maybe perhaps your reactive reaction is to be angry or shout or physical, you know, discipline, and you have to kind of catch yourself and, and before you even react that way. So it's constantly yeah. working on yourself as a parent. But I think you have to educate yourself as well. Go back to the points that you brought up about the brain development. Yeah. And if you understand that, this child is a developing child or has a developing brain, it's going to change how you engage them. I think sometimes we think they understand everything we're trying to say and they're just being, you know, whatever, and then we respond in kind. But this is a developing brain that we're dealing with. And so we have to make sure we understand that. Hey, Karen, Karen just joined us. All right, we're going to go now to behaviors that we promote. I call this parenting with intention. And this is very important. Um, what is she saying? Taking Absolutely. So, for example, uh, parenting with intention could be, for example, uh, putting our child in team settings. And that could be sports. It could be the glee club. It could be the chess club, whatever. But, but in, you know, encouraging our child, I say encouraging, not forcing, but encouraging our children to, to uh, you know, join some kind of team, whether it be sports or what have you, what are your thoughts on that? Why is that important, you think? I definitely think it's very important in child development. It creates, um, it, it first of all, it exposes them to these different environments that they're not, not normally exposed to. So if you're keeping them coddled at home and they're only exposed to maybe, you know, their grandparents, you know, aunts, uncles, or whoever, or if they are not even exposed to that, they're, they're constantly just developing this narrative of this is my bubble and these are the experiences that I'm going to, or the people I'm going to interact with. So putting them in those uh, different environments um, allows them to, it challenges them in ways to think, to react, to you know help them develop their perception of others and how to deal with others. And definitely, and, and obviously about diversity, learning about different cultures and all, yeah. all so it is definitely um, a tool to help your children grow. 100%. And diversity actually is on my list as well of ways that we need to ensure that our children are being exposed to diversity, a diverse group of people. Mm -hmm. um, and, 
you know, not just in terms of ethnicity, but diversity in all forms. I think it's important. It's important to put our children in challenging situations so that they can find their ways out of it. Uh, charity and volunteerism, I, I think, is important as well. That they experience that again, the intrinsic value of doing that, and 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 what it means, and and how we're helping others when we do these things. I think it's important to teach them the the reward in doing those things, and not not the monetary reward, but the reward that you get in terms of how you feel, the altruistic value of it, if you will. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, definitely. I, you know, volunteering is also a way to, it's, it's almost a reward. It's almost like doing something without a reward because volunteering is voluntary. You know, you don't get paid. You don't, there's nothing, there's no incentive besides just helping out the great, the greater good. That's it. So it also encourages that. So in order for us to typically volunteering, you know, whether it's the less fortunate or the elderly or whichever the scenario is, you know, cleaning up the ocean or whatever, um, it's also it gives a perception of perception of life outside of their environment too as well. So they get to understand, you know, if I live in this community and perhaps everybody's in the same. Um, financial you know status or whatever it is and then they get exposed to these these different um, communities outside of theirs they, it gives them a worldly perception yeah and then I, I think also in terms of parenting with intention we have to to put them in front of people role models outside of ourselves that can expose them to different things different philosophies and thoughts um, different experiences so they understand that and we have to make sure that we are putting them in front of the right people. Um, it's very important um, that we do that. So do your homework on the folks that you're putting in front of your, your, your children. Someone talked about sports again. I want to uh, just bring up one more analogy before we move on to the next topic. If you think about uh, basketball, that's my favorite sport, so I'll bring that one. Uh, if you think about basketball and players who have got on to be coaches, not just, you know, because well, let's say Magic Johnson was a coach, but he wasn't very good at it. Players who got on to be very good coaches were often the player who was the role player. They weren't the star on the team. Can you imagine Michael Jordan coaching a team, for example? Mm-hmm. Uh, right? Okay. Uh, because Michael Jordan's path was different. Uh, he's the best player to ever play. And I don't want to get into a debate about that. But... He was yes. the best player to ever play the game. That's what I thought, I thought about and her as well. I was going to make that point. Someone made it for me. Yeah. Michael Jordan was the best player to ever play the game, but he played with a guy named Steve Kerr who knew his role, who probably was taught many of the lessons that we're talking about. And so now Steve Kerr goes on to coach the Golden State Warriors and wins championships with them as well. And so he can end up having more rings than Michael Jordan. I think he does because he won with the Spurs as well. He has more rings than Michael Jordan uh, as a coach and a player because of the other skill sets that he has. Leadership is the most transferable skill set one can possess. Phil Jackson, someone said, yeah. Yeah. Phil Jackson, one of the best coaches all time, was a role player for the Knicks, right? Wasn't a great player, but possessed a lot of the character traits that we're talking about. So... Are you preparing your child to be Michael Jordan? Not everyone can be Michael Jordan. They have that ability, that's fine. 
But for the 99.9% .9 of the rest of us, what life are you preparing your child for? And if you want them to be a leader of people, you've got to really focus on the things that we're discussing today. Okay? So that's behaviors that we promote, parenting with intention. The, the last point is behaviors that we role model. And this is perhaps the most impressionable of the behaviors because this is what they see us do. Behaviors we role model. We have to teach our children how to love, how to show empathy, how to work hard, how to have, how to have a work ethic, how to be compassionate, right? And how to disagree. Um, my parents would, and I love my parents for this, when they would have the really big arguments, they would do it behind closed doors. You know, we knew that there was something going on, but we didn't really hear it. We didn't hear the words, we didn't hear the interaction. So they shielded us from that. However, they did disagree in front of each other. And the way they did it was important because they didn't do it without, with, they didn't do it tearing each other down. They didn't demean one another. They didn't disparage each other. They did it in a respectful way. So that taught us, this is how you disagree with someone. This is what it looks like, particularly your spouse. Or in a leadership capacity, this is what it should look like. So what are your thoughts on behaviors that we role model? Oh, I think that is very, very important um, to be conscious of, especially as a parent. I think that children are like sponges and they are absorbing every single thing that you do in front of them. Every They feel, you know, your vibrations. They know when you're sad. They know when you're upset. They know, you know, what behaviors you're doing and modeling that and they are just absorbing it all. And so in order for you to, to um, try your best to raise a successful um, leader or successful individual altogether, you want to make sure that you're modeling those behaviors and you are trying your best to create that um, role model for them to look up to and to resort to and also be being yourself, being true, being open, being honest with them. And, uh, you know, and it, and, and it all circles back to you know, working on yourself as an individual too, because you want your child to be in an environment where you are, you know, creating these routines and habits of a successful person. Absolutely. Well said. I think you have to, and what is Meek saying? Love learning to disagree in front. Yes. Yes. Because that yeah. shows a healthy, you know, or, you know, disagreement. Yeah. It's okay to disagree, but how do we do it? I think it's important to disagree in front of your children, but you have to teach them how it's done, how to do it in a respectful way. Now, if you're going to have a knockdown, drag out fight, I hope that never happens. You can't do that in front of your children. You've got to shield them from that because that's not a way that anyone should conduct themselves because you're dealing with your own baggage. And that's the thing. We bring our baggage into our relationships, right? We bring our baggage into how we rear our children. And that's what we've got to fix. We've got to break the cycle. And we only can do that by educating ourselves. So my mommy's post is an example of that, right? And uh, you've educated yourself on what parenting should look like and what it should feel like. Um, some of us, you know, got much of that information from our parents, but we still have to be better, right? And our parents want us to be better than they were. Mm -hmm. So we have to be we have to become students of parenting so that we can raise children 
who can go out and do great things in life. People don't really understand why they get in their own way because they haven't resolved some things. We haven't matured beyond the role models or the coaching examples of our parents, right? We still use those. We still bring those to bear when we're dealing with things, particularly, uh, you know, consequential things. So it's important that we, we again, mature beyond that, that we, 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 we continue to be in a learning posture that for our children's sake, right? What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I became a student of this uh, parenting. You know, I, I there is, you know, a, as you grow into, you know, becoming an adult, you are, you know, you go to school, you learn things, and then you apply that throughout your life and so forth. But once you become a parent, it's um, it's something that nobody. I think I feel like nobody really talks about it because. We are just, we just assume that human beings naturally know how to become parents, which it's true. Like once you become a parent, there's something that, you know, kind of kicks in, in you and then you just become, uh, you know, a, a parent. But how do you navigate a successful, how do you, how do you um, grow and nurture a successful individual being? So in order for us to do that, you know, we have to first look in within ourselves and find the things that we can perhaps um, better or you know, work on in order for us to reflect that onto our children. And I definitely became a student. I, I know I did all the research, I read, I read books, I read all this, all, a lot of great stuff, and I'm still learning to, the, to this day. So my knowledge is based on 17 months of my child. So I don't know what happens at 18 months. I don't know what happens in 20 months, you know, because I am learning and parenting is learning as you go. So it is definitely probably the hardest task that I've ever or job I will ever have because <laughs> it is literally learning on the job and and it that's that's just how it is so I give parents definitely a lot of credits <laughs> okay um, by just you know trying their best to raise healthy children um, and a lot of us perhaps go in a survival parenting mode where we only think of um, okay, I gotta feed, clothe, um, you know, put my my child in a safe shelter, and that's about it. While they are surviving, to you know, perhaps work full time or whatever it is, and they go into the survival mode of parenting, which a lot of parents have to do that. Um, but we also have to think about the other aspect of nurturing the child's brain as well, and child and, and the child's development within that as well. So that is that is a challenge and I think it will always be a challenge as my baby grows. Absolutely. Well said. Uh, you know, I have, as you know, five children. My oldest is 28 and he will be on the podcast this Friday. Uh, and I continue to be his father. I continue to be his life's coach. I continue to have conversations with him about life and about things that he's experiencing because He's still developing. He's 28 years old, but he's still experiencing things for the first time. Mm -hmm. And and so that's our role as parents. Our role is not to necessarily, I think people think my role is to discipline my child. My role, people say, you know, I brought you into this world, I can take you out. You know, those that kind of mindset, um, that kind of proprietary mindset, that kind of, you know, ownership mindset. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, it's not it's not good because we treat then our children as if they are a product that as if we own them 
And we don't. We don't. Our job is to release them into the world better off than we found them, right? That's, that, that is our job. That is our responsibility. And we need to understand that. And if you're someone who was raised that way, you need to know that you're going to bring those things into the situation with your child. You're going to find yourself becoming enraged. You're going to find yourself striking your child. You're going to find yourself demoralizing your child, using words to make them feel less than. That how is that going to help them become a great leader? How? I think if you think about all the great leaders in our past, look at their parents. Look at, look at who raised them. Look at Martin Luther King. He had great parents, right? He had great examples and role models. Um, I can point to a lot of leaders with, who had great examples and role models and guardians, what have you. You know, that's what you want to be as a parent if you want this child to live up to their full potential. It starts with you as a parent. The, the last point I want to make here, and I, we're a little bit beyond 30 minutes, is that, and this is, this is an important point, if you are raising this child with a spouse or significant other or, or whatever the situation is, they've got to come along for the ride. You've got to bring them along. You can't be the only one educating yourself on how to raise a child because it will create a wedge in your relationship. And you're supposed to be showing the child how to have a productive relationship, right? But if that person is not coming along for the ride, then you got to work on some other things. And that's a podcast for another day, right? So, so you've got to make sure that hopefully there's love there yeah. between you and your partner. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that can compensate for a lot of things. Yeah. But you've got to make sure before you begin the work on the child that you work on the relationship. And that's this person is bought into the ideas and our ideals, I should say, that you are putting forth in terms of how we're going to make this child, you know, the best person, the best version of themselves, you know, through this whole experience that we're going to give them. What are your thoughts on that? I think I think that is a, a very important point. You know, finding your partner, the right partner, in in which you both agree on um, how to raise your children. So that's very, very, very. It's very called important. being equally yoked. Yes, so it is very important to be on the same page because that will cause friction, that will cause confusion on, on behalf of the child, and then that that kind of deteriorates the parenting roles because if you know if one parent is you know moving this way and the other one is moving that way, then the child just gets lost in the middle and causes confusion, and then it it just pretty much cancels out your parenting styles, whichever way you're trying to implement. And also, I think we need to talk about. Um, you know, co-parenting, you know, parents are not together any longer and they decide to not be together. Um, Co-parenting is also very important for the child as well. So even if you guys are not under the same roof, but those behaviors still matter, you know, the way the the mom and the, you know, the, the parents interact with one another in front of the child is also very important because they are, you know, they're, they're, they're listening to that behavior, they're modeling that behavior, and they're also still very absorbent of the, that situation. So how, how do we both treat each other, even if we're not together? Yeah, it, it, correct. Hopefully we don't get to the co-parenting scenario, uh, but when it does happen, it's important that if you are of the mindset that we are speaking about, mm-hmm. that you help the child, because you can't do anything to change the other person. No. 
they're going to be who they are. It's probably why you're not together. Exactly. Right? But you have to then prepare the child to deal with that kind of mindset. And you don't disparage the other parent. You don't speak ill of the other parent. Never, ever do that no. if you're in a co-parenting situation. No. Yeah. Because what are you teaching your child? So you you know? And then children, children grow up resenting the person who's speaking ill of the other parent anyway. So you don't want to do that. Mm-hmm. You always want to talk positively about the other parent, even if you vehemently disagree with how they want to raise your child. Mm-hmm. So prepare your child on how to deal with some of the things that they're going to experience when they go on the weekends to spend time with whomever uh, or for a week or whatever the arrangements are. So I, I think it's important that you have just have those conversations with the child that, that they, can, they can make their own kind of decisions about right and wrong because they're going to get exposed whether you want it or not. You can't control it. It's going to happen. They're going to get exposed to it. And so the best thing you can do is just, again, work on those critical thinking skills uh, of your child. Any closing thoughts on that? I just, I 100% agree. I think it's constantly evolving, constantly learning your, you know, how to improve yourself, whether it's something minor or major. I I know sometimes perhaps if it's something that is rooted, um, that is maybe perhaps traumatic, maybe, you know, seeking therapy or seeking some professional help to help you unpack and understand what you're, you're dealing with because sometimes those reactions or the way we are interacting with our children is subconscious and if you are not in the stage of where you are aware of your behavior or what you're doing or what you are modeling to your children um, I would strongly suggest to um, look for professional help and, and just kind of diagnose that process and and overall it will definitely make your life and your children's life um, much more easier, more successful, and you're setting up yourself and your children's life for success in the future. All right. Very good point. We'll end on that. Thank you, everyone, for joining today. And thank you, my mommy's post, for your words of wisdom on this topic. It's (laughs) it's a very important topic. And I I don't think we give it enough attention relative to leadership. It starts with uh, us. It starts in their formative years. It starts when uh, they're learning so much, when they're impressionable, when they're like a sponge and soaking things up. Uh, it's, so we've got to think about what is our role in prepping our children for those eventualities, for uh, being a great leader. You know, what does it look like and what role are we playing in that? So uh, thank you, my mommy's folks. Thank you. So I thank everyone for joining the show. Again, uh, the next show will be Friday at 11 o'clock Eastern Standard Time. I will be joined by my son, Devin Roy II. We're going to continue the discussion on leadership identity. And we will see you then. I hope you've been enriched by what you've heard in the morning huddle. Take care.